St. Maximilian Kolbe, when he was, he was teaching the young friars of his community and training them in the, in the rule and just theology and the spiritual life in general, is the young friars asked him, you know, what, what does it mean to be holy? What is, what is holiness? He turned around on the, the chalkboard and he, he wrote a little v, an equal sign, and a capital V. Little v, he's, he's using Latin here, so the, the term for will, the word for will, voluntas, begins with a V. But the little v being your will equals the capital V, God's will. He says that's what holiness is. When your will equals his will, it's completely surrendered to it. That's holiness. And we hear that over and over again. We say it when we pray the Our Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, meaning let, let your will be done in me. Let my will be conformed to yours. We say it incessantly almost, and yet it, it is one of the most challenging things to really live out. The Lord knows that, though. And he's speaking directly to that here in, in this gospel to these people, right? We're, we're moving through chapter 6 of, of the gospel of John where, you know, it's, it's, this is a, a good chunk of our Eucharistic theology comes from here. Last week, we had, we had Jesus multiplying the loaves. Remember, the people had come to, to him seeking him in a deserted place. And he multiplies the, the bread and the fish and he feeds them. And then, and then just before he sees that they're going to, to try to come and make him king, he, he goes off by himself to pray. And we, we skip a little bit down in the gospel, but what happens in between now and what we heard, between that and what we heard tonight is that, that he sends the disciples back across. They get in the boat and they go back and he, he, he walks across the sea and meets them and they end up back in Capernaum. And so that's where, where we are in the gospel right here is that the people come looking for him. And that's why they say, how'd you get here? When did you get here? Because they didn't see him leave. But he, he speaks too to, to, to their curiosity. He says, you're not, you're not coming after me for the right reason, so to speak. You're not coming after me because you're so signs. You're coming after me because I put food in your stomach and you just want some more. You just, you just want to eat. And he takes that, right? He's not necessarily condemning them outright. He's, he, may be, he may be chiding them a little bit, but he's using it to draw them deeper. He says, look, don't, don't labor for that type of food, this worldly food. Labor for the food that leads to eternal life. That's what you want to hunger for. That's what you want to desire. That's what you want to, to, to motivate you. And they say, well, well, what, you know, what is that? You know, he says, you know, how, how can we do these works of God? And he says, this is the work of God, that you will believe, that you will believe in the one he has sent. And he's speaking of himself. Now, now, when he says believe, he's not just talking about an intellectual assent. We talk about this kind of ad nauseum at, as well, that it's one thing to say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I profess that stuff that we say in the creed. I believe all that stuff. I believe everything the church teaches. It's a completely 
other thing to surrender my life to it. To be totally surrendered to it and say that that's what informs all of my life. That every decision I make is based off of, of, of my relationship with the Lord, who I believe him to be, what I believe him to have done for me. And I live my life from that place. That's the end goal. We, we often fall very short of that. So we're not talking simply about just saying, yeah, I can, I can rationalize something and, and, and say with my mouth that I believe that. It's no, that my life is, is completely surrendered and docile to that. And that nothing would get in the way of that. Nothing would attack my, my adherence to Christ, to his church, and to all that he has, he has revealed to me about himself. Nothing would separate my will from his. And yet how often it does. And the simplest things do this. The things that the Lord is speaking about that he tells us not to labor for. The pleasures of the flesh, the pleasures, the comforts of life. Even the things that are necessary for us such as food and drink, become obstacles. Become something that, that maybe supersedes the will of God. And we can, we can all relate to this, right? You ever snapped at somebody because they're standing in front of the TV when you're trying to watch a show? You know, get out of the way. I'm watching that. You know, or like nobody's getting between me and my, my next meal, right? I'm hangry, right? The, the hungry and the angry, where I will, I will put food over somebody else, and I'll, I'll step on them to get to it. Right? And that, that's just a, a simple example, but we do this in, in, in many, many ways, where we take these, these created goods and we place them above the Lord, above what he has revealed, we place them above love of neighbor. We let them drive us. That's what motivates us to act. It's just the satisfaction, right, of the flesh, of certain pleasures, whether it's physical pleasure, whether it's emotional pleasure. And that's where the Lord's, he's trying to re-educate us in. He says, insofar as you are so attached to that stuff, you will never be free enough to say a complete and total yes to my will because sometimes it hurts a little bit. And if your heart's not free, if you're attached to pleasure, if you're attached to comfort, when the opportunity presents itself to choose me, when it's difficult or some pleasure, more than likely I'm choosing the comfort. Give me the pleasure. And then I deny the Lord. As St. Peter, right around the fire, it was cold, so he went and stood by the fire. It's much more comfortable over here and saying that I don't know Jesus than to step out away from the crowd and say, yeah, that's my best friend. And to trust that he's going to provide for me, even if that means going to the cross with him. And this, it's, it's somewhat irrational too, right? This, this, this grip that the, the flesh has on us. The pleasures of the flesh, I say that. The body's not that. 
that first reading from Exodus. The entirety of Exodus is like a, it's a, it's a type of, of the Christian journey. Whenever we read that, we think of that, we see the imagery, right? That the, the, the Israelites are enslaved, and then they come through the waters of the Red Sea. They're liberated as foreshadowing of baptism. And this is what we heard today was right after that. They've just, they've just come through the Red Sea. God has just delivered them. They've seen all the, the plagues and the mighty hands that he's worked, the hand of Moses. They come out on the other side of the Red Sea free, had been enslaved for 430 years. And what do they do? They turn around and they start grumbling. Start whining to Moses, man, what did you, what'd you lead us out here for? It had been better to stay in Egypt, to be enslaved. At least we had food in our flesh pots to eat. At least our bellies were full. They, they, right, that, that makes no sense. They've just seen the Lord work this miracle for them, and they're already choosing, I would rather be back in slavery just for the sake of some food as opposed to walk in freedom. And then if that's that enough, the Lord, the Lord says, okay, I'm going to, I hear you grumbling, I'm going to feed you. Right? And this again is how he, he's kind of beginning to re-educate and to train the appetites. He says, I'm going to give you enough for a day. That's how much you're to gather. Whether it be the quail in the evening and the bread in the morning. You take one day's worth. You don't take the whole journey's worth. So he's calling them to trust. He's calling them to faith, to surrender their lives, not just to an intellectual assent, right, to put their life on the line. So I believe that, that the Lord is going to provide for me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in trust. And I'm going to not let the food thing dominate me. I'm going to trust that he's going to give me what I need to nurture my body for the journey. And that's it. It's not going to become a God. It's not going to be something that, that drives me. I'm going to let the Lord be the one that leads. And so in the context of, of Jesus' teaching on the bread of life here, we too get, get also an, an an invitation deeper into the mystery of, of the Eucharist and, and intimacy with him. That when we, we, we seek freedom from, from temporal pleasure, right? not that deriving pleasure from food, from drink, from friendships, and from all the, the, the other material comforts that we have is a bad thing, but in order that we don't become enslaved to them, that my will truly is free to say yes to the Lord's will. He gives us another, another bread, except it's greater than the miraculous bread from the Exodus journey. It's greater from the miraculous bread that he multiplied. It's his very flesh and blood in the Eucharist. That every time we look upon him, every time we receive him, we do so in faith. He unites us to himself. A little bit more. He frees us a little bit more insofar as we allow him to. And he takes that hunger that we have 
for pleasure, for comfort, for luxury. And he satisfies it and fills us with a greater hunger for the things of heaven. So oftentimes, we want the Lord to just like do what we want, just like the Israelites. We want satisfaction now. I want a miracle now. I want a healing now. And we get frustrated when God doesn't act. That's his mercy. Because it's very easy. It's very easy to experience a miracle. To be the recipient of a miracle. And still not be converted to the Lord. Just like the Israelites were. They witnessed many miracles, but their hearts, their hearts were still enslaved. And so they were ready to choose that slavery over the goodness of God. That same temptation is there for us, and that goes also for the miracle of the Eucharist. That sometimes we say it's, it's difficult to really b- believe What Jesus is saying, that he's the bread of life and that he is truly here, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The fact that he veils himself is is an act of mercy for us. It's meant to draw us one day at a time. Because he knows how fickle our hearts are. He knows how attached we are to the world. That even if we were to experience the, the miracle in, in the fullness that it is, to be able to see it, that there's a good chance that many of us would still turn away. And he does not want that. He wants to draw us, to give us what we need for today, and to invite us to surrender our will a little bit at a time. Until ultimately we get to where my will equals his will. So we pray for that grace today. Pray for the the faith to see him. We pray that we may hunger more and more for our Lord Jesus in the blessed sacrament.